Where would you rather be? It's a good answer. Got me. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. Amen. And I hope, I hope you believe that and feel that and love that and know that the uh, Lord is with us. Amen. Turn in your Bibles to James chapter 1. James chapter 1. will not be long. I want to give us a few things to think about on our passions our lips, and our hearts. The Bible has a lot to say on these three subjects. Each one deserves a series if you were to exhaust and plumb the, the Word of God. But we'll just want a few reminders to go check ourselves on these three things. As our brother just prayed so well a few moments ago, that we would take these things and apply them in each of our lives. Amen. We would not be thinking about anyone else outside, inside this congregation, but ourselves. How do we measure up against the standard of God's Word? I read to you verses 21 through 25 just to set in order what we ought to do when we look into the Word of God and we find a blemish. James 1.21 Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, And receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to save your souls. But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself... And goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. If we want the blessing of Psalm 144, then we better put into practice what James just told us here in these five verses. The metaphor and the picture here is that you look into a mirror in the morning and see all that's wrong with your face and your clothing and attire. And instead of correcting those things, you just walk right on out the bathroom door and go meet the public with sleep dirt in your eyes, your hair standing on end, and all messed up. Because you looked in the mirror and you just straightway, immediately, you walked away from it and didn't change a single thing. That is being a hearer of the Word of God. It's the same as looking in a mirror and not changing a thing about your appearance. But the blessing here is upon the man who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues therein. He sees it, he sees all the blemishes, and he stays with that picture in his mind. I, he doesn't forget what he just saw. He continues. He remembers the flaws, the failings, the shortcomings, the sins that the perfect law of liberty points out to him, and he makes changes in his life. He is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. It's more than just looking and reading and hearing. It's doing something. And brethren, you with me, each one of us, let's take a few minutes and be reminded about our passions, our lips, and our hearts, and go out of here today 
purposing, Lord, help me correct one or all three of those parts of my life. That's our goal. I've had this sermon waiting for several weeks, and that is the truth before God. But we can benefit from God's warnings at any time. I am not preaching it for any other reason. I've had it, and it's time to be preached right now. I I asked a member recently, where are you on the scale of all our members in getting angry? You know, I think most of us could sit down with a piece of paper, take 87 church members and line them up from he or she who would get angry the least or the slowest to those that might get angry at the top of that list. And a good question is, where are you? On that list of 1 to 87, do not laugh. But the brother responded to me and said, mid-80s. Okay, good. That's a good starting place. We can work down from there because you can't. there's not much room to work up, but we can work down. And, you know, that's valuable sometimes to put it in perspective. I can do better on that point. I receive reports of too much talking about others in their absence. Thus, we have some loose lips. This little sermon is called Hotheads, Loose Lips, and Bad Hearts. We know that all sins, including our hotheads and our loose lips, come from a bad heart. Jesus said every sin comes out of this heart. It's not what goes into a man that defiles a man. It's what comes out of that man that defiles him. Many times a day, and today will not end, before you have a chance to do something wise and right in all three of these categories. Today will not end before you can please the Lord and do the work of what the perfect law of liberty is going to show us. Our goal is so simple. We want to please the Lord perfectly in our hearts, in our passions, in our speech. Apply this 90% to yourself and 10% to learning to identify it in others that you will do something about. That means you will warn, you will correct, you will save, you will exhort, you will admonish others so that we can all help each other be perfect by these three measures. Now, the Bible's got a lot to say, but let's just look at a few things. Turn to Proverbs chapter 14, and let's get started with hotheads. What's a hothead? A quick-tempered or impetuous person. Headstrong, fiery, rash. Have you ever read the statement, cooler heads prevailed? Ever, ever read that in a statement? That means the hotheads were ignored because they had gone off the deep end like they typically do, and cooler heads prevailed to make the important decisions that needed to be made. We want to be cool heads. We want to be cooler heads because the Lord tells us to get angry slowly. Hot heads get angry quickly. It is a danger. It is folly. It exalts folly to get angry quickly. Calm and sober men decide the important issues of life. We don't want to be a hothead. Hotheads get angry quickly, and they get far too angry for the situation. And it leads to ungodly conduct, and it leads to ungodly speech. A hothead is ruled by his spirit. His spirit takes him over, and he's angry before he even thought about getting angry or should he or not. 
And we can't be like that. Our passions can't rule us. We must rule them. The Lord tells us that. A hothead is a slave to his own passions. We can't be a slave to anyone but the Lord Jesus Christ. And our master has told us we are to get angry slowly. Because the wrath of man does not work the righteousness of God. Proverbs chapter 14. Look at verse 17. 14, 17. He that is soon angry dealeth foolishly, and a man of wicked devices is hated. Right there we're told that a hothead is a fool. He that is soon angry dealeth foolishly. Don't be thinking about someone else that gets angry quickly. Think about yourself. Do you get angry quickly? When you saw the Jeep today in the wrong place, did you get angry? Measure yourself by the perfect law of liberty. We're looking at it right now. Do you see any blemishes? Should you learn to slow down in getting angry? Lord, help us do it. Please, Heavenly Father, have mercy upon us. Look at verse 29 in the same chapter. 14.29 He that is slow to wrath is of great understanding. But he that is hasty of spirit exalteth folly. When you're hasty of spirit... There's your passions. We're talking about passions. Hot heads are too passionate. They get too worked up too quickly. They're rash. They're fiery. When you get worked up like that, you exalt folly. You lift folly up and try to make it something important when it is not. You are a true fool. He that is slow to wrath is of great understanding. We all want to be of great understanding. But great understanding is not quoting Bible verses. Great understanding is not where you find a reference in the Bible. Great understanding is getting angry slowly because that man understands that fast anger leads to terrible decision-making. Terrible decision-making. When your passions take over, you are not following wisdom. You're following folly. So hotheads are out by the Word of God. Chapter 15 is nearby. Look at verse 18. This is the Word of the Lord. You're looking in the perfect law of liberty. You're looking closely. Do you see some flaws on your face? Some things you ought to correct? Your hair, your parts messed up. You need to shave. You've got mascara running down your cheeks. What do you see? Hotheads are out. They do not work the righteousness of God. 15.18, a wrathful man stirreth up strife, but he that is slow to anger appeaseth strife. A wrathful man's going to cause fighting, but a man that's slow to get angry is going to settle fights. What a difference. Some men stir up trouble, stir up conflict and fighting. Others, they're peacemakers. The peacemakers are the ones that get angry very slowly. They can be peacemakers. Those that immediately respond and flare up, you're, you know, you bristle. How long does it take you to bristle? A nanosecond. But that's a hothead. All of a sudden, your passions are up. Shut them down. Say, I'll I'll get angry tomorrow about this. If you were to tell yourself, I'll get angry about this tomorrow, would you even remember it tomorrow? Nope. Hotheads. The Lord doesn't. They're dangerous. They're dangerous in a church. They're dangerous in a family. They're dangerous in business. We want to hate that. I want every one of you fighting to get down that scale. Let's work on that being a hothead until Tammy Grimm is number 87. 
When Tammy's 87, we're all set in this church on being hotheads. We talk like that in our home. Because, you know, you've you got to make it real. And we, we should make it real to ourselves. Look at Ecclesiastes chapter 7. Do all of you know Tammy? She's a real hothead. I speak as a fool when I say that. She's an example, and there's many others like her. There's many others like her that you are so long-suffering and patient. We, we are blessed to have you. You're an example to us. We want to be more like you. Ecclesiastes chapter 7 and verse 8. You're looking in a mirror. Better is the, Ecclesiastes 7, 8, better is the end of a thing than the beginning thereof. And the patient in spirit is better than the proud in spirit. This is the Lord God saying that. Be not hasty in thy spirit to be angry, for anger resteth in the bosom of fools. If you've got anger resting in your bosom, you've always got a good quantity there, and it's just looking for some little thing to trigger you to blow up. That is just wrong. That's, you're a fool. Let's purge that out. The Bible's telling you. You're looking in the mirror. We cannot go home and say, I'm okay. We cannot straightway leave the mirror and forget what manner of man we are. For those of us in this assembly that can get angry quickly, we've got to look at these verses and say, it's wrong in the sight of God that being patient in spirit is better than the proud in spirit. There is nothing manly about getting angry. Getting angry, there's everything about being foolish. It's not manly. A real man is patient in spirit, because that's better than being proud in spirit. Be not hasty to be angry, for anger rests in the bosom of fools. Let's purge it out. Let's flush it all out so that we don't have it resting there. Chapter 25 of Proverbs. The terrible decisions that are made in wrath and anger. Temporary insanity, they call it in court. Temporary insanity. Because when passion comes in, your mind stops working. Your soul stops working. Your conscience stops working. It's all overwhelmed by this tidal wave of emotion and passion. And this anger that you've allowed to be inside you comes swelling up and shuts down everything else. And you're saying things and doing things. You're violent. You have an adrenaline attack all at once because you got angry quickly. They call it temporary insanity. How many people have been killed from temporary insanity? The Bible doesn't know any such terminology. It just says it's anger and it rests in the bosom of fools. And we want to purge it out of us. 25, 28. He that hath no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down and without walls. A city that has its walls broken down and it's it's falling apart is, is subject to any enemy coming in. Any impulse can take it. Any little band of gorillas can take that city. And any little impulse will take us unless we learn to rule our spirit. I am not going to get angry. Nothing is going to, it's not going to bother me. And we force ourselves by the grace of God, because we're reading this in the perfect law of liberty, I am going to rule my spirit. I'm going to stay calm. This person usually irritates me, so when I'm, when I'm going to be speaking to them, I'm going to work extra hard at remaining calm. Proverbs 19 and verse 11 is one of my favorites on this subject. I hope it's yours. 
Do you know most of the things we get angry about are just nothing? They're nothing. They're so small. They're so slight. Proverbs 19.11 The discretion of a man deferreth his anger. Discretion is the ability, the knowledge, the wisdom to know what to do when. That's discretion. A discreet person knows what to do at the right time. The discretion of a man deferreth his anger. Deferring is to put something off. And that's why I said a few minutes ago, what if you said to yourself, I'll get angry tomorrow about this. You wouldn't even remember it tomorrow. Because most of the things we get angry about, you won't even remember an hour later. As long as you're doing something to distract you a little bit, it defers the anger. I'm not going to get angry about that right now. It puts it off. That's what deferral means. It's an accounting term. Accruals and deferrals. Remember the good days. Uh, The discretion of a man deferreth his anger. It puts it off. It is his glory. He gets excited about passing over a transgression. And that is a choice. When somebody hurts me or offends me, I'm going to get excited about the opportunity to look to overlook it. It is his glory to pass over a transgression. That's when somebody's transgressing against you. This is not transgressions against God because we do not have the right to overlook those. These are transgressions against us. It's his glory to pass over it. Can you make up your mind to do that? The Bible wants you to. You're looking into the perfect law of liberty. I'm not very good at that. When when someone says something that rubs me the wrong way, I bristle immediately. Sometimes I fly back with words. I get intense and upset about it. We've got to make a choice right now. The Word of God tells us not to do that. That a discreet man, a prudent man, a wise man will defer the anger and get excited about the opportunity. Let me tell you something. You cannot show yourself a Christian on this matter of being a hothead until someone irritates you. While everyone's treating you the way you like to be treated, you haven't, you haven't shown him anything. You've got to be looking around for somebody to really to get you. Say something that you don't like. Do something that you don't like. That's why that Jeep out there just thrills me. I don't like it any more than anyone here. But by the grace of God, it's there for a reason. I did not ask them to put it there because I was preaching this sermon. There's someone higher than that. And he that is higher than all of us put that Jeep out there. My brethren... Let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Amen. James 1.19 you know how bad anger is that you can't justify? Jesus said in Matthew 5.21-26, through 26, it's murder. If you are angry in your heart against a brother without a cause, it is violation of the commandment. Thou shalt not kill. Because the Lord knows that you're playing with a deadly weapon. And do you know what that deadly weapon is? Your anger. Your passion. In the right circumstances, if you have anger resting in your bosom, the right circumstances could trigger you to do something stupid, crazy, and kill. The Lord just goes ahead and calls it murder right up front. You know, everyone knows Matthew 5 because it says that to look on a woman and to desire to commit adultery with her is the same as committing adultery. But they don't look as often at Matthew 5, 21 through 26, that if you're calling someone names or you're angry without a cause, you've committed murder. The Bible's told us what hotheads are. 
They're fools. They exalt folly. They cannot work the righteousness of God. It's dangerous. It's called murder. And it's like a man with the city walls broken down where anyone can take the city. He's a helpless little child because he's led astray by his passions. The word of God is spoken. Let's hate quick-temperedness in ourselves. And let's help one another to get over that. Loose lips. Have you ever heard the phrase, loose lips sink ships? Loose lips sink ships is a phrase coined in World War II to remind millions of young soldiers, 17, 18, 19 years of age, that when they wrote home, they were to be very careful in what they wrote lest they give away troop movements or ship destinations. Because if those things were ever intercepted by any means or spoken of in a neighborhood and picked up by someone sympathetic with our enemies, it could lead to the deaths of others. There were posters all over this country during World War II, wanted for murder, an innocent-looking wife who would have gotten a letter from her husband if she spoke and said too much about what was communicated to her by her husband. She could cause the death of someone. Loose lips sink ships. Loose lips sink churches. Loose lips sink friendships. Loose lips. That's a wagging tongue. That's talking too much. That's backbiting. Biting someone. Saying something derogatory about them behind their back when they're not around. It's called slandering in the Bible. When you tell something that isn't true about another person. Tailbearing. When you tell something that is true about another person, but it's a secret that no one needs to know. Whispering. Same thing. Giving away secrets that should be kept secret. Sowing discord. Doing things to break up the unity and the harmony of a group. Saying things that break up harmony and total cooperation and agreement. God hates these things. And the Bible says much against them, even though they're forgotten sins today. No one preaches against them hardly anymore. Look at Psalm 15, where we have the character of the righteous described in detail. Loose lips. Some of you have a gift that you don't like to talk. Sometimes it irritates us. But if the truth be known, you're saved from some of the sins of those who like to talk. Because our lips are looser. Lord, tighten up our lips and set a guard before our mouths that we sin not against Thee. Psalm 15, verse 3, it's describing the character of the righteous. It's a short psalm and it's dedicated to one theme. Who shall dwell and abide with the Lord? It says in verse 3, He that backbiteth not with his tongue, nor doeth evil to his neighbor, nor taketh up a reproach against his neighbor. This godly man that the Bible says will dwell with God and walk with God, he does not backbite with his tongue. He does not say anything derogatory about another person. Now we are looking in the mirror. Do you have any makeup on your face? We're looking in the mirror. Is your hair messed up? We need to straighten up our appearance because the perfect law of liberty is declaring something to us. We cannot say something negative about another person. It's, there's no cause for it. It's sinful. It's wicked. It destroys unity and peace. 
If you can't think of something good to say about other people, then just don't say anything at all. Wouldn't it be wonderful if each of us, when we were talking about someone else, was only bringing up good things about the other party? What a way to build a church. Look at 101. Psalm 101. David was committed to this. Look at what he decided, chose to do about his companions and friends and those that he would even have working for him. He would not allow backbiting and tailbearing and whispering. Psalm 101 is a description of how David was going to behave himself wisely in a perfect way. It says in verse 5, Whoso privately slandereth his neighbor, him will I cut off. And he goes on to describe other things that he would cut off as well. But I want the first half of verse 5. Whoso privately slandereth his neighbor, someone that secretly, from person to person, slanders his neighbor, David would cut him off. I am not going to have anyone like that around me. If you look at Psalm 144 and say, I want that for my family, I want that for my finances, I want that for my safety and my security, my labor and my production, then you better be like this. I'm going to cut him off. And that's what all of you need to do. This is a family. This is a church. It's a body. If you hear someone speaking derogatorily about someone else, cut them off. Proverbs 11. We're in the perfect law of liberty. We're looking. And the mirror is showing us that we have blemishes on our faces and we need to take measures to correct them. O Lord, guard our lips. Let nothing come out of our lips but that which is good to the use of edifying. Amen. Do you know how, what a difference that would make? Do you know what kind of a company it would be if every employee was only praising the boss, only praising the, being thankful for the working conditions, thankful for the pay, thankful for the heat, as much as you could be? What a difference it would make instead of complaining. All that water cooler talk that you hear about, you know, it it degrades companies. It destroys them and divides them and creates bitterness and grudges. Look at Proverbs 11.13. A talebearer revealeth secrets, but he that is of a faithful spirit concealeth the matter. Now, slander. Slander is a crime in our nation, and slander is a crime in the Bible. It's a sin. Slander is when you tell a lie about someone. And I go over and over this because do you know how many times I have heard the words, but what I told about that person, I told the truth. It doesn't matter. If you tell the truth about a person, then it's backbiting, tailbearing, and whispering. It doesn't matter if you told the truth about a person. Why'd you tell the truth about them? Were you trying to build their character up or tear them down? The verse says, a talebearer revealeth secrets. If you happen to know something about someone else, only if it's good and builds them up would you ever want to share it. If it's negative and it's something bad that they did or they were caught in or whatever, why would you ever want to share it? A faithful man conceals the matter. He hides it. He covers it. He buries it. He doesn't let it get out. Oh, what a difference that makes. If we were all working to protect each other's reputations and families and names with all of our might, 
keeping our lips locked to only say good things about each other. This is the word of the Lord to us this afternoon. This is how we keep our church growing together and pleasing in the sight of God. The Bible's full of these warnings. There just isn't one verse about tail-bearing. I'm just using a few. Chapter 18 in the book of Proverbs, as we continue thinking about backbiting, tail-bearing, and so forth. Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 8. The words of a tail-bearer are as wounds, and they go down into the innermost parts of the belly. When you tell something about someone else, then they hear that that secret that no one should know about has just gone a little wider in its knowledge. It goes down into their belly and hurts so much that something in the past, a secret that no one needs to know about, has just been widened in the number of people that know about it. It's a terrible thing. It's a wound. On the authority of God's Word, if anger without a cause and calling someone a name without a cause is murder, then so is tailbearing. Because you are murdering their reputation. You're murdering their character. You are wounding them. Let's only say good things about each other. This is so simple. This is so hard because of loose lips. 16.28 There's so many verses. 16.28 says, A froward man soweth strife, and a whisperer separateth chief friends. A whisperer, by spreading innuendos and little secrets about men, can separate chief friends because of things that are disclosed that shouldn't be disclosed. 17.9 He that covereth a transgression seeketh love, but he that repeateth a matter separateth very friends. If you happen to know that something happened, that somebody did something, and oh, isn't our flesh terrible? We love to spread garbage in our flesh about others. Because by spreading garbage, we make them look worse, and we end up looking better. It is such a terrible thing to think about how deceitful and dangerous our hearts are. But this verse says, He that covereth a transgression seeketh love. A truly loving person covers, hides, and conceals what a person may have done and doesn't want anyone to ever find out about it. But the person that repeats a matter separateth very friends, breaks up friendships, because he spreads things that shouldn't have been said. Listen, if the truth be told, and the Lord were to empty out our closets of the skeletons that hang in every closet, whether it's the closet of your mind, your lips, or your deeds, what a mess we would have. And so we maintain the peace and unity and love of a congregation by concealing things. And that is true love. Look at Did I go to Ecclesiastes 10.20 recently? That you shouldn't curse the king in your thought. And you shouldn't curse the rich even in your bedchamber. Because if you do it in your bedchamber, a little bird of the air is going to take it. And you're going to get in trouble. That means in your bedroom. That means in your car on the, on the way home. Do you ever get in the car and criticize anyone in this assembly? 
Why not get in that car and use all the minutes that you have until you get home to say good things about members of this assembly? That's what the Lord would have you to do. That's what the perfect law of liberty says to do. Parents should remind their children after a discipline session when they go to their bedroom. My children have heard this many times. I'm nothing, but I know what the Bible says. I know that it says even in your bedroom you can say things and think things that God's going to judge you for, and I remember doing it when I was a boy because I didn't appreciate being disciplined. Son, I know that what just happened you didn't enjoy. I had to correct you. I had to chasten you. And now I'm letting you go to your room. When you go to your room, you have two choices. You're going to go in that room and you're going to go to bed. And either you're going to hate your father because of what he did to you and you're going to despise him and you're going to think wicked thoughts about me. Or you can go to that bed and thank God that you have a father that cares about you and did something good for your future. Every child makes two choices. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes 10.20. Is there someone very good with young children? You know, the Bible addresses your bedroom in Ecclesiastes 10.20. The Bible says, don't you dare curse the king, not even in your thoughts, in your bedroom. Don't curse the rich, because a little bird of the air is going to carry it. You can't contain it there. Our lips are too loose. If you say it in your bedroom, you'll say it elsewhere. And children, when your parents discipline you, there's a God in heaven that sees and hears everything you think or say about your parents. You thank the God of heaven for them, and he'll bless you, because you're honoring them when they're not even around. Wisdom, wisdom is not a quick answer. Wisdom is a studied answer. Wisdom is a right answer. Wisdom is the certain words of truth in an answer. The Bible says the righteous, the heart of the righteous studieth to answer, but the mouth of fools pour out wickedness. The Bible says don't answer a matter before you hear it. Let's find that one. 25. Proverbs chapter 25. I want to finish it correctly. No, that's not the one. It's 18.13. But hold your finger at 25. We're going there. 18.13 says, He that answereth a matter before he heareth it, it is folly and shame unto him. This is the word of the Lord. We just looked in the mirror. I just saw another blemish. If we don't let the person finish what they're trying to say to us, it's folly and shame to us. We are shameful fools if we answer somebody before they've said the whole thing. Some people are slower at forming their thoughts, slower at forming their words. Sometimes we marry someone like that. And they work their courage up after a day or a week or a month that they're going to approach Genghis Khan and ask for a favor. 
But before they can even get their first sentence completely out, we have come out with two six-guns and we're blowing them away. We are firing left and right. And do you know what it says? It is a shameful fool that does that. We just looked in the mirror. Can we let somebody finish all that they want to say? There are godly women in this church. And these godly women sometimes want to make a suggestion to their husbands. But they can't even get the first sentence out before they're getting a sermon. They didn't even ask for a sermon. They just wanted to say something to their husbands. We all can work on that. These are little rules of the Bible. There's nothing complicated about these. It's just, Lord, can you help us remember these things and slow down and listen before we try to answer. Wisdom is not quick. Wisdom is right. Look at Proverbs 17.4. I think you're still holding it. 25, we're going there next. 17.4, now this one's going to surprise you. This one, we're looking in the mirror, and you, you didn't know that this could be out of place on you, but it's out of place. Your nose is twisted. When someone is tailbearing or whispering or backbiting or slandering in your